Hi, and welcome to Snacking with the Saints, the podcast where we eat snacks and talk about saints. I'm Andrea. And I'm Lena. Thanks for being here. All right. Are we good? Yeah, we're recording. How do we start this one? I don't know. It's our last episode of the year, right? Yes, it is. This is our last episode of the year and our kind of one year anniversary episode. Kind of a birthday episode. Yeah, which I could probably look it up right now, but I think I think we're a little bit before. I think our first yes. episode was oh, November eighth. That's when we post our first episode. Oh, so we're fun. we're post. Yeah. But just by a few days. Yeah. So we thought we'd do this one a little bit differently. Yes. We'll still talk about some saints, but instead of we just kind of wanted to change how we like begin and end the show. Yes. Right? Just Spend for it. our recap for the for the year. Yeah, because I wanted to have a specific like recapping, talking about our podcasting experience because I never thought I would be able to make a podcast. Aww. Like it just always seemed like a really hard thing to do. And it has not been easy, especially since I'm incredibly technically challenged. There, there are bumps adjust. in the road, but yeah. you have conquered them. I've learned a lot. It's been very inspirational watching you because I'm, I like just come and talk, <laughs> but you do all the behind the scenes stuff and it has been very inspirational watching you. Thank you. I've, I feel like it's time to like just celebrate the small wins because yes. I would have never thought I could learn how to like edit like sound and I'm still not good at it. But if you go back and listen to some of our other episodes, I've gotten a lot better at that. There, there's been a big improvement. Oh, yeah. yeah. When I go back and listen, just like small things, I don't know, maybe our listeners will be able to tell, but I think they're a lot better. I'm, so I'm proud of us. And I think that that's just like a testament to how dedicated you are to this cause and this calling. I am. Yeah. And it's cool to see just those little improvements all along the way. Yeah. It's cool to like learn something new yeah. and then like slowly become better at it. I think because I am a perfectionist, but not the type that get a lot of things done and do really cool things and have like beautiful homes and things to show for it. I'm a perfectionist in the sense that like I will see something I want to do, evaluate, and if I don't think I can do it perfectly the first, second, or third time, then I just won't do it. Yes, I I struggle there yeah. too. So it's like, like if it doesn't come easy, then I just is it even worth it? But no. actually it's absolutely worth it. <laughs> For me, I'm like, if I can't do that perfectly right away, I don't know. I just won't. I won't try. That's why, like, I grew up saying, like, I wasn't athletic. But then in grad school, I was a Pilates instructor. So I'm, like, active. Yeah. But I just wasn't naturally as gifted at sports as my siblings. So I was just like, well, I'm not going to do that at all. Yeah. You know, and I really regret that because I found a love for fitness later in life. I think I would have loved to play sports. Yeah. So I think, like, this has been a completely new experience as far as like I'm gonna do this Jump it's not in. gonna be good yeah but I'm slowly gonna get better and not even at the pace I Listen, want it to I think be this is, I think this is like good for like quote-unquote recovering perfectionists yes because it allows people to see your journey and to be like oh okay like look it may have been like actually I don't really even think you started out rough at all like to me I feel like you did it well from the beginning but You've been like polishing it all along. Well, like so. our very first episode, I didn't edit at all. <laughs> I no. just put it up. But yeah. that was also like I felt like the lives of the saints were something that we needed to share. Yeah. And I just knew if I waited till I could do it perfectly, right. we would never do it. See, I think that's a great life lesson. Yeah. Just messy action. Yeah. Just that's do it messy until it, and that's what writing is like. Yeah. Like you just have to do it messy until you get better at it. Yeah. So, so that's been a really cool experience to like retrain myself I'm and so like re-go through it yeah. just on the technical end yeah. but then like spiritually there's been a lot of fruit too do you have any like oh spiritual gosh. I feel like I've grown spiritually so much in the sense of just getting to know the saints mm-hmm. like I can be like going through a hard time be like okay you know what blessed Carlo I'm just gonna ask for your intercession yeah. just purely because I know that I have the knowledge now of the lives of the saints and what they were gifted at and what they're specialties were and just what their lives were like Mm -hmm. that that was so inspiring of like okay if that's what their faith looked like then I can just take kind of like a strand of each of those saints faith and Mm -hmm. like weave it into my own spirituality and I feel like that has really changed things yeah um, broadened my like spiritual outlook Mm -hmm. what about you like what have you gotten from it well I'll be vulnerable and say I've been in like 
a dry season. Yeah. Which when I okay. It reminds me of Michael Scott when he tells Joe Bennett when he's like, I've been in a little bit of a rough patch the whole year, actually. <laughs> that's what it, that's, that's okay. kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, I really feel like the Saints have been in a way like carrying the cross for me. Mm. Like, you know, like very much yeah. in the way like Simon came and carried the cross for Jesus. Like, yeah. but in like a different way of like, they're almost like carrying my faith for me. Mm. It's like when I have been feeling just dry not even like up or down, just yeah. like dry. Yeah. Just They're quiet. just I can yeah. like look at their life and like it's like like their faith is my faith too. Right. And like, they and knowing that they went through those yeah, times too. They went yeah. through those times and even like if my faith is doesn't feel super exciting or like prayer is hard or like there's not a lot going on internally. Yeah. Then like I can look at their life and know that like the journey of holiness that they're on is also like what I can be on too. Yes. It's kind of just like a... Like gives you hope. Yeah, hope and like something to look towards and someone to like say like, like, I don't know, like I was like a reignition of faith. Like when I've been dry, like I can like think about their lives and be like, no, like God has amazing things planned for like me the way he did for this person or that person. And like it's, I want that again. You know what I mean? Where you just kind of like, okay, I desire holiness again. I want to be a saint. Right. I think that's a great way um, that the Lord can use the intellect to help like ignite the heart yes. too. So in yeah. those times where we're feeling dry, where it's like we're not feeling the warm fuzzies type place right. or even just feeling like God's presence uh, as strongly as in other times, that we're allowed to use the intellect and our knowledge to kind of help carry that cross. And so just historically knowing the lives of the saints and what they went through and their through their writings and through their... Um, relationships with other saints. Um, I just, I don't know. I think that that's a great tool for us to have as Catholics so that we can rely on that when things get rough. So. Yeah, for sure. I think you, that's a good way to put it. Like I've needed my intellect a little bit to like help bring the heart along. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like if you ever watch a movie and get like super pumped, yeah. like in the Avengers, yes. when Captain America says like at the end of Endgame, he's like Avengers assemble. And they all go like, and you're like, pumped and like yeah you know when the hammer just like comes yes and you get excited again that's what a little bit like it's been like where I'm like oh yeah like faith is cool and I want to be a part of this yes I want to be an avenger also yeah side note saints are the real superheroes they are yeah which Which we're gonna do (laughs) that's gonna be our new year um so that's kind of what they've been for me like this past um this past year has just been having like those friends through like the tough times. Yeah. I love that. Um, And like, I mean, that's how Jesus works. Right. Cause I, my whole thing is like the saints are our friends so that when we feel like understood, misunderstood or unseen or lonely, like there's someone in heaven who says like, I see you, I've been through it and I'm praying for you. And that's what I wanted to share for others. But actually like it's, been for myself too you know like it's been much more like oh that's what they're doing to me like it wasn't (laughs) even for other people it's for me well it was for both right yeah it's like that's how God's love works it's a fruit for all yeah um I love that I love that I love that you had this calling to start this podcast and What's been really cool for me is like, you know how we were like, oh, okay, we're just going to throw up the first um, podcast or first episode. Yeah. And, but at that point, it was like just our husband's listening. Yes. <laughs> oh, and your mom. <laughs> My mom. Yeah. And her, like her friends. Her faithful listeners. Yeah. So we were like, okay, well, her we Rose can Ray like group. mess up because it's yeah. like our support group. But I have had people come up to me and be like, I'm listening to your podcast or we've been binging episodes. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's just so cool to hear. Like, just people that you didn't even expect or know that were listening and that are, um, have been a part of this family. So I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. I feel Super. like you get fans in the wild more cause I just stay at home with Ben all day. <laughs> but like the other You're day. You're in a different kind of wild. <laughs> yeah. I texted a friend and she was like, oh my gosh, I was thinking of you cause someone at work was saying that they really like your podcast. And I was like, <gasps> oh, that's so, that is so cool. Yeah. So um, I wish we could know who our listeners were so we could be like, shout out to them. But shout out to all of our listeners who have grown with us along the way. We love you. Especially anyone who listened at the beginning, because like when I listened to (laughs) when I listened to the audio playback, Lena, bless you. You don't do this. But the amount of ums and like I do, I do mouth sounds that I make. At the end of every episode, I'm just enraged at myself. Like, Don't I feel do that. whatever the aversion of 
like illiteracy you know what? but don't, speaking don't point it out because listeners will then like oh they might create awareness so well just, now i take them out but that's oh, what nice. if, at the beginning if anyone like stayed through that bless you <laughs> truly bless you because at the beginning i didn't take it out because yeah. there's just so many we didn't have the time or like the software and stuff, I, yeah right? i was using like a free app yeah so i didn't it was like i could but i really didn't take out stuff so yeah. that's okay yeah it's part of the process it really was. So especially, yeah, we're really grateful for all the people who have have stuck around. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. Yeah. What was your favorite, what has been your favorite episode? I don't, okay. So this may, I need to grow in humility because I feel like after every episode, I'm like, oh, that was a great episode. <laughs> Just energized by yeah. the saints' lives. Um, I think I loved talking about our favorite blesseds. I love that one too with Blessed Carlo and yours was Miguel Pro. Miguel Pro. So I love that Miguel Pro. That was a really Pro. cool story. Yeah. Yeah. His and was. Blessed Carlo is so inspiring. Um, I think learning more about St. Dominic Savio was yeah, so inspiring. He was cool. With, that was with St. John Bosco. Yeah. Um, I like the one about prayer with St. Teresa of Avila. We did that during Lent and that she's just like one of my powerhouse saints. So I love yeah, her. Yeah. She's great. Um, I feel like saints who were fathers, because St. Joseph and then St. Oh, Thomas yes. More is such like in my wheelhouse of nerdiness. It's like touches all the things <laughs> that I love. It everything. Yeah. So he has a special. Yeah. And that was cool because we don't know a ton about St. Joseph. So it was cool to kind of just lean in and, and hear more about him. I will say, actually, probably my favorite episode is the Dysfunctional Families one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe because, and it was also during the holidays because it was yeah. like, this is when things come up. But that also was just, um, I don't know, that just resonated of like, okay, um, you know, that's part, that's almost sometimes part of the sainthood for some of us. Mm, and so yeah. it just kind of normalized the abnormal in a yeah. sense and to see like how you can use that. Um, to like first your own sanctification so that just it was just gives me hope yeah that one was nice because I had heard of Saint Dymphna Mm -hmm. before and I I just like my main takeaway was like for her I knew she was the patron saint of people who struggle with like mental illness or like anxiety depression and I just figured she had had struggles with it right but it was the people around her who struggled yeah it wasn't her it was like her dad yeah that was a good one. I think the other one I really liked was when we did um, Hispanic Heritage Month. And just for me, learning about Blessed Jose Sanchez Del Rio. and just, I love like, him. I love him, I love too. Him. I didn't know anything about him. Yeah. And his devotion at such a young age and just this, like, physical mortifications he had to go through. Just, but, like, so willingly. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing was, like, if this gets me to heaven, I love it. Mm-hmm. That whole mentality it's Oof, like, if yeah. you just embrace that for your mm-hmm. life, I feel like you're golden, you know? Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, is, oh, this is going to get me to heaven. Sweet. Like, I'll just, let, you know, I, it's like I'm thankful for it. Ooh, I need that. <laughs> I need to embody that more. I still think one of my favorites was also the episode that didn't record. <laughs> <laughs> that was just for me and you? Yeah. Okay, I did St. Rose of Lima. And St. Oscar Romero. Two. I loved that one. I really loved that, too. And I think that there was probably some reason that, it didn't go to air, and it was really just for us in our um, formation. Yeah. But I don't know. Super cool. I had a great time. That was a great one for me. Yeah. <laughs> it was I'm, for me, too. And I felt like that touched on mental health as well. It did, yeah. Because St. Rose of Lima has some, some like, points yeah. in there. Because yeah. before I was anti-St. Rose of Lima, I just felt like she was very strange, and I didn't really see how she fit into like, the understood why. But, like, I she... feel like at the end... I really had a new picture of her. And then St. Oscar Romero was just like so inspiring. And then I had heard of him and I knew how he died, but I had no idea he was basically like. Oh, Martin- don't spoil it. Don't oh. spoil it. Maybe we'll like. I mean, we sh- I will have to. I think we need to bring him back. Yeah. Maybe that was just our trial run. Maybe. Speaking of trial run, I really want to revisit. I don't even know if you remember. We did Doctors of the Church for our second recording. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But I was losing my voice. Yeah. And I, it was like cough drop season for us. Yes. Yeah. I thought that I could like mute the coughing. <laughs> and so we were pausing like literally every two minutes. <laughs> and I just couldn't like, I thought I could. Oh, I know what. Saint, oh, yeah. We need to do that one again because I love that saint. I love my saint too. Yeah. So that was another one that was Doctors just for us. of the church. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. so because we did our first episode, Our Lady of Guadalupe and St. Therese. Yeah. And as our favorite saints. Yes. Yeah. Just like as a way to like 
get used to the whole thing yeah. and intro ourselves along with these saints. And then I think like it was a grace that it went pretty well. Yeah. People have told me that that was their favorite episode. Yeah. That blessed so them because that was probably one of the worst ones. Were but I think a grace was that it went so well and we were like, yeah. oh, we can do this. Yeah. And then the second one just tanked. went really bad <laughs> and we couldn't even post it. But that was it. physical illness. And yeah. So. We were sick and I, I just didn't know. I thought I knew more about editing than mm. I did, which was I knew nothing. Yeah. So... So that one, I was thinking about that one too, that I wanted That's to read. Yeah. That I wanted to we should ask one. listeners if they have any topics that they want. That would be great. Um, yeah. To submit that. That would be cool. Or especially, um, I know I've learned so much from like Meg Hunter Kilmer mm-hmm. and Allie Hoffman, like saints I would have never found on my own. Oh, yeah, I know so, and that they have such a devotion to Yeah, you. that's what like, if there's a saint that like you feel like more people need to know about. Yes. We're on Instagram and we have a website where you can email us. So yeah. like. Or just please. stop me like how some people yeah. are like, hey. <laughs> or just like grab us in public if you're in the DFW area. And let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, should we talk about what our snack was? Yes. We decided to just like share a snack of pumpkin bread. Of, like a celebratory birthday. Yes. Snack. Yeah. And I will call out my dear husband. I actually got us a full tiramisu cake, but he was so excited. He said that we could not have any. <laughs> Louise, she's calling you out on I am. air. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I actually appreciate the pumpkin bread because I love tiramisu. It's a great dessert. But this was homemade, and yes. it, it I when I got here, it came right out of the oven, so it, it was like steaming. like steaming hot. Yeah, it was great. I loved it like that. So it was very like homey, and the house smelled great. It smelled yeah, and the toasted pumpkin seeds on top that were like salted. That was like my favorite part. So yeah, I'm, and I'm I felt like last time you brought like your fall dessert. Yeah, so that my like pumpkin bread is my yeah. That, that is my fall dessert, yeah. and it felt like you like yeah. you put yourself into it. Oh, I did for sure. Yeah. So. That is, I love making little quick breads like that. Yes. Um, yeah, so that was kind of just like we decided to just do a smaller snack mm-hmm. bite so we could talk about um, our our experience. And then this is also kind of in honor of like our beginnings because we started in November, which is Black Catholic History Month. Yeah. And this is also, we're so we're doing that again. This is like our first revisited topic. Right. With which, more saints. With more saints, which part of the allure of doing this for me was that like, we could do a whole podcast on Black Catholic yeah. saints. Or Hispanic we, Heritage Month. We could do a whole yeah. podcast on Hispanic saints, on <clears throat> saints who are fathers. So we'll eventually revisit the topics, hopefully a few times, to yeah. highlight different people. Saints who are popes. Saints who, there's so many. And mm-hmm. we could you could do a whole podcast on just those saints. Right. So um, this was also kind of like, okay, let's do our first revisited topic. Now that we've done, done a few different ones, yeah. we can go back and kind of mine areas that we kind of scratch the surface on. So yes. we are doing something for Black Catholic History Month. I'm excited about Me this too. one. Me too. I, mine is, do you want to go first or should I go first? Ooh, what do you think? I saw your paper on accident, so I'm excited <laughs> for yours. <laughs> I should be more like. No, I totally read obvious. it on purpose. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> do you know what? I do that though. Like if I'm anxious about how a movie's going to end, I'll just Google it while I'm watching You'll it. You'll Google the sure. ending? Yeah. And books and TV shows. To see what? if I want to sit through it. So, okay, but if you do that, and do you... Oh, I still watch it. You'll still read the whole book? Yeah, and I'll still sit through it. It's like an anxiety thing. Like, you I need what? to know what's coming. I used to do that with books, but just, I would read the very last line oh. of the book. <laughs> I used to do that, too. <laughs> I don't know why, but it was, like, something to look forward to. Yeah, <laughs> I would do that, too. So, I just, like, was like, oh. <clears throat> so, I do that. I ruin surprises. Louise hates it. He hates it. Okay. Well, no surprise to you, but surprise to the rest of the audience. Yeah, you go first. You go first. <laughs> okay, my saint is Saint Josephine Bakita. I'm so excited you're doing her. <laughs> She's like an essential. Oh my god. You goodness. have to know her. If I Everyone. get through her story without crying, that will be a miracle because Nice. She <laughs> <laughs> because she uh, she has such so a great. painful story, but also it's her reaction to the pain and struggle of her mm-hmm. journey that makes her so saintly. So beautiful, yeah. Yeah, such grace. Okay, I'm just going to dive in. Yeah, go for it. St. Josephine Margaret Bakita was born around 1869 in the Darfur region of Sudan. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a member of the Daju people, and her uncle was like a tribal chief. Mm-hmm. So her family was somewhat well off. Like her family lineage was, had some like was higher up in the social system there. And so she grew up happy and like relatively prosperous. 
Um, and she has mentioned that as a child, she didn't know any suffering. So mm. I don't think she had like a very mm-hmm. um, difficult upbringing early yeah. on. Um, but and some of the history and uh, like the dates are just lost. Even her mm-hmm. real name is lost because of what oh, yeah. she has gone through. So historians believe that sometime around February of 1877, um, St. Josephine was kidnapped by Arab slave traders. Yeah. And so she was just a child and mm. she was forced to walk barefoot over 600 miles oh to a slave gosh. market. So she would have been maybe around eight years old at that oh time. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. I can't either. And so she was bought and sold at least twice during that journey. And for the next 12 years, she would be bought, sold, and given away over a dozen times. Mm. She spent so much time in captivity that she forgot her original name. Oh that, my gosh. That piece right there just makes me, like, breaks my heart. imagine. Your whole identity is yeah. just gone, that you don't even know your name. And just what slavery does to yeah. the, the human spirit. And so, as a slave, her experiences varied from fair treatment to cruel. So she, depending on where she was, she was either, either treated, like, what some people quote fairly as a yeah. slave, um, or, like, immensely cr- um, cruel treatment. So her first owner was a wealthy Arab and gave her to his daughters as their maid. Mm. And so that assignment was easy, except until she offended the owner's son, possibly for um, what was considered a crime for breaking a vase. Mm. So as punishment, she was beaten so severely that she was incapacitated for over a month. Oh, my gosh. And then after that, she was sold. And so it's just it's even hard to say this, that as a human being, she was sold, you know, like it's just in this day and age. And so one of her owners was a Turkish general who gave her to his wife and mother-in-law who beat her daily. Mm-hmm. And Josephine wrote that as soon as one wound would heal, they would inflict another. Oh my gosh. Um, she told later in life, she had written about that her, the general's wife ordered her to be scarred and just kind of warning. This is mm-hmm. difficult to hear, but um, as her mistress watched ready with the whip, another woman drew patterns on her skin with flour, then cut into her flesh with a blade. What? And they rubbed the wounds with salt to make the scars permanent. Why? Who, how do you even think of that? Why would you, why would anyone want to do that? I don't even know how that thought enters someone's head. Like, yeah, it's, that is so evil. Yeah. Um, so she it said, it's said that she would suffer a total of 114 scars from this abuse. Oh my gosh. Um, so in 1883, the Turkish general sold her to the Italian vice consul Callisto Lagani, and he was a much kinder master and did not beat her. When it was time for him to return to Italy, sorry, she begged to be taken with him and he agreed. Mm-hmm. After a long and dangerous journey across the Sudan and the Red Sea, the Mediterranean, they arrived in Italy and she was given away to another family as a gift and served as a nanny for them. Oh, my gosh, that's a gift. I know. Like, it's just hard to even, like, say this. This was yeah. what the culture was at the time. Um, and that this was, like, quote, unquote, normal. Um, her new family also had dealings in the Sudan. So when her mistress had to travel to the Sudan to, like, do business mm-hmm. there um, without Josephine, she would she placed Josephine in the custody of the Kenoshan sisters in Venice. Yeah. This is a part of her story, I know. Yeah. And so... This is where she kind of found, finds her freedom. Mm-hmm. So while she's in the custody of the sisters, she came to learn about God. And I love this part of where it says, like, according to Josephine, she had always known about God who created all things, but she did not know who he was. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was so beautiful. Like she knew God through creation, but she didn't really know the creator. Yeah. And the sisters answered her questions and she was deeply moved um, by her time there and discerned a call to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, when her mistress returned from the sedan, um, Josephine refused to leave, which I thought was cool that she even yeah. had that ability to say that. And so mm-hmm. her mistress spent three days trying to persuade her to leave the sisters, but Josephine remained steadfast. And that caused the superior of the Institute for Baptismal Candidates um, to complain to Italian authorities on Josephine's behalf. So she like fought for um, St. Josephine to like... Um, stay and become baptized. Yeah. The case went to court and the court found that the, that slavery had actually been outlawed in Sudan before Josephine was born. So she wow. couldn't lawfully be made a slave. So all of this was illegal to begin with her entire mm-hmm. life of slavery. So she was declared free. And yay, Italy. Yeah. For finding that out. 
Um, so for that was the first time in her life she was free and could choose to do what she wanted to do with her life. And so she chose to remain with the sisters. Um, she was baptized on January 9th, 1890, and took the name Josephine Margaret and Fortunata. Fortunata is like the Latin translation for her Arabic name, Bakita. Oh, yeah. And so she also received the sacraments of her first Holy Communion and Confirmation on the same day. And that was kind of typical in the early church that mm-hmm. they would receive all of them when they enter the like initiation into the church. Um, and fun fact, the archbishop who gave her the sacraments was Giuseppe Sarto, the cardinal patriarch of Venice, who later became Pope Pius X. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so Josephine became a no- novice with the Kenosian Daughters of Charity um, Religious Order on December 7th, 1893, and then took her final vows on December 8th, 1896. She, and then she was eventually like assigned to a convent in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the next 42 years of her life, she worked as a cook and a doorkeeper at the convent, which I just want to pause here for a second and say that these jobs are the path to sainthood. Doorkeeper. <laughs> door we're going to do saints which, who are doorkeepers. <clears throat> there's so much symbolism there as a gatekeeper, yeah. right? Okay, so I just, um, for anyone who feels like their work is menial, I just want to, like, affirm you and yeah. say that so many saints have Door found their... and cooks. Yeah, have found their sainthood through their, um, through works like that. And so she traveled and visited other convents telling her story to other sisters and preparing them for work in Africa. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and, so, and she's best known for her gentle voice and smile, Aww. which I think... When you're treated so horribly that the grace of a gentle spirit and to not be hardened, I just think that's just such a gift of God. And so it really is. And a a testament to her spirit. And it says that she was just like very gentle and charismatic and just like always referred to lovingly or honorably as like black mother. That's Mm. how they would refer to her in those times. And so um, when she talked about her enslavement, she often professed that she would thank her kidnappers if she yeah. ever got to meet them. Have you heard this? Yeah, that's kind of what I've heard from her. Yeah, and she said, for had she not been kidnapped, she might never have come to know Jesus Christ and enter his church. Mm-hmm. So just I just want to pause here and sit with that for a second, that all of her trials and tribulations that were like horrific and just... Um, spoke to like the true evils of humanity um in that situation that she was like seeing that as a blessing for her because if had that not happened she wouldn't get to know christ Mm -hmm. and so that kind of is reminiscent of um, saint jose's just del rio too and so um during world war ii the people of the of her village regarded her as their protector and although bombs fell on their village not one citizen died wow And in her later years, she began to suffer physical pain and was forced to use a wheelchair. But she always remained cheerful. And if anyone asked how she was, she would just reply, as the master desires. Wow. You know, just like very, just like open. And so on the evening of February 8th, 1947, Josephine spoke her last words, Our Lady, Our Lady, almost like she Mm. saw her right before her death, which is described by a lot of saints. Yeah. About seeing the Blessed Mother right before they die. And she then died in her body late on display for three days afterwards. Um, and it said in eight, 1958, the process of canonization began for Josephine under Pope John the uh, 23rd. And on December 1st, 1978, Pope John Paul II declared her venerable. And it, this is frustrating, but sadly, on the, the news of her beatification in 1992 was censored in Sudan. Oh. But just nine months later, Pope John Paul II visited Sudan and honored her publicly yeah. to, like, rectify that. And nice. he's, yeah, way to go, JP2. He canonized her also on October 1st, 2000. So it took a while for her to get canonized, mm-hmm. um, which I wish that could have been sped yeah. up. Um, so St. Josephine Bakita is the patron saint of Sudan, and her feast day is celebrated on February 8th. I believe she's also the feast, uh, I'm sorry, the patron of human trafficking. Yeah. She, and she has to be because mm-hmm. of what she's gone yeah. through. But um, she is just one of those saints that has such a grace through suffering. And if you are suffering, if you are undergoing any kind mm-hmm. of suffering and feeling downtrodden by it and not having that hope or that gratitude that is like that almost like saintly, like mm-hmm. in order to be like thankful yeah. for your suffering. I would recommend just tapping on her her door and just asking for her intercession that she would be the one that can thank God for you Mm -hmm. and to just lighten that load a little bit. So um, she did. I say she's incorruptible. Did you see that in your research? I didn't see that. I don't know. Is she? 
I don't know. I feel like I saw it somewhere and was like shocked because I'd never heard that before, but it yeah. could have, it could be mom brain. I don't know. So we'll no one quote check. me on that. Yeah. Also, we're going to have to talk about the Incorruptibles at some time. Oh yeah. That's, that should be a, like a superhero series in itself. The Incorruptibles. Yeah. Right? Oh, like a, yeah. Like a you know comic I mean? like, book. Yes. We should. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah so i just, thought i saw that she might i think she might be we'll have to find out yeah we'll report back we'll report back next time maybe next <laughs> or, if or, we do a whole episode on incorruptible so yeah. i'll be like this or just up. google it on your own yeah just google it likely we won't remember later um but just a beautiful beautiful spirit and just also just from a historical perspective of just seeing the crimes of humanity mm-hmm. And to see, like, what has been done, uh, like, as we're talking about National Black Catholic Month. Yeah. Of just seeing what um, has been done to, like, the human race. of Yeah. Just, like, um, and the dignity of a person. And also the strength and the uprising that comes from that kind of suffering mm-hmm. and the spirit that comes from that is just yeah. um, just such a testament of God's glory for, for those who underwent that experience. And so just some reverence for those who have undergone that and... And all those that like came after them that experienced the aftermath of that. Yeah, generational trauma is real. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. And we're not, we are not far from when this stuff happened. Yeah. So, you know, she died like in the late 1800s. But if you think about it, it's not that many generations mm-hmm. to where we are now. Yeah. And so to look at the like, um, the trauma that I, she experienced, that. It's not that far removed from yeah. our present day. So Yeah. Well, kind of on that, that's kind of why I picked my saint. So kind of on that note. Oh, cool. Also, I want to, this is interesting. I don't know. I, I don't know why, but I had a whole nother saint picked out for like months. Like really? I felt like if we ever. Like a revisit, no brainer you were going to. No brainer. Yeah. If we ever revisited black Catholics, I would be doing. Father Augustine Tolton, who was the first black... That's who I was going to pick. I should have let you because literally today I was finalizing some research and it was like, you're not going to do him. You're going to do Pierre Toussaint. <gasps> well, that's what happened to me. I was like, I'm going to do Augustine Tolton. And then I talked to you and I was like, mm, it sounds like it might be similar. Chicago. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, oh, I have to do St. Josephine Bikini. Yeah. So maybe he's like... It's not his time, clearly. Maybe he needs his own episode. He might. Okay. Um, but it was just so clear. And oh, I was I like, I, I even was like, no, I'm not. I've been wanting to do Father Augustus Tolton like for <laughs> months. Yeah. And it was like, I was like, even like got ready to sit down and like do some more research on him. And mm-hmm. I like could not bring myself to, I had to do Pierre Toussaint. <laughs> it's been like, I don't, I don't know, know anything I've, about him. So I'm really excited about this. Yeah. Like, I don't know I if I've ever had that and- in this. It's been very much like, oh, I'm so excited to talk about this person. But it was like, no. You are going to talk about this person and maybe there's somebody that needs to hear his story right now. I don't know, but I'm, maybe it's, it's happening. It's <laughs> happening. Um, okay. And this, so I knew like a summary of his life, but I had no idea that he was like rub shoulders with the founding fathers. Basically. Oh, cool. Okay. Like he was, his story should be told when we tell the story of like the founding of America. You know what I mean? Mm, like, yes. Um, that is kind of like to your point of like, it wasn't that long ago. Like our country, Mm-mm. what, it's like 300 years old. How right. many years old is America? I don't know. Yeah. But like Less he was that. there at the founding of our nation pretty much. Right. And like, I don't know a lot of people that know about him. And yeah. that feels like. I could he- just get on my own soapbox right now about <laughs> just American history, but yes. I'm going to hold off. Like on. he is, should be a prominent figure in American history. And the mm-hmm. fact that he's not is a tragedy. Like he was in the same social circles as like the Schuyler sisters of Hamilton oh, fame. Uh-huh. And like yeah. mostly the Schuyler family, he was in their circle. Cool. So like they're mm-hmm. in a musical and no one knows Pierre Toussaint. Oh, that's we crazy. need to contact Lynn Manuel because <laughs> he would love this story. I bet. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just going to get started, but um, okay, so Pierre was born into slavery in Haiti in seven, 1766, okay. so right around yeah. the Revolutionary War period. And he was born onto a plantation owned by the Berard family. There's a lot of French names because mm-hmm. they're Haitian, so yeah. apologies French. to the French and Haitian people. <laughs> uh, so it was on the colony's west coast, and he not much is known about his father or mother, but it is known that he had a sister named Rosalie, which I love that name. That is pretty. Uh, and... Again, by like 
back then standards, the Burrard family, I guess, was a very benevolent family that owned slaves. Mm -hmm. Their relationship is interesting. I can't wait to tell you. But so he was actually educated along with the Burrard family children. He was educated along with their own children by their tutors and raised in the house to be a house slave. So that I thought that was interesting. And then the Burrards did go to France at one point and they took Pierre with them. And uh, the plantation was still owned by the family and run by a family member member in Haiti. So they still like had that connection. But eventually revolution happened in Haiti with the, the people of color and the slaves uprising. And so in 1797, the master Berard and his wife ended up leaving Haiti altogether. And uh, they took some of their slaves, including Pierre and Rosalie, his sister. Okay. So once they got to New York, the master, Mr. Berard, I guess, he had Pierre apprenticed to one of New York's best hairdressers. Cool. So he trained to be a hairdresser. And he actually became one of the most reputable hairdressers in New York at the time. Oh, neat. So some of his styles were so elaborate that wealthy women paid up to $1,000 to have their hairstyles At by that him. time? Yeah. Can you wow. believe? Uh, and so this is why he was in the upper echelons of society, kind yeah. of, because, like, the Hamiltons, the Schuylers... Uh, they were his clients. That is so cool. And then I found this quote. It says from a prominent socialite, Hannah Lee Sawyer. He's, she said, as the hairdresser for ladies, he was unrivaled. He was the fashionable coffer of the day. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so, so cool. That's You never think of saints as being like fashionable in high Hairdressers, yeah, yes, like in high was. society. And so one thing that I thought was interesting was that he was they said he he had great professional ability obviously he was very good at what he did but they think he was also so popular because of how he would listen and empathize with his clients in the chair oh because there's always that where you tell your hairdresser yeah i never do i feel like the the machines like the hair dryer and stuff are too loud but (laughs) i never do that i always ask my hairdresser questions so i always feel like i'm their therapist (laughs) i could see that i could see doing that and so it said that they would also like entrust him with like the gossip of a day okay, or like society yeah. secrets and that he, you would never get gossip out of him. Oh, interesting. That he was known for, like you could tell him anything and it would never get out. So he had integrity. Yeah. So I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Again, just kind of like um, a really normal way that someone connected and was holy. Yeah. Just in just like listening and being good at their job. Yeah. Again. Just trustworthiness. Yeah, okay, so eventually the Master Berard, his master, eventually returned back to Haiti, and uh, he actually died while he was there. So um, so his, mas- his master's wife was still living in New York, and Pierre was allowed to keep the money that he got from hairdressing. Mm-hmm. So while his mistress, basically, like the woman who, quote, quote, you know, owned him. It is so weird to say that now. Um, She didn't have anyone to support her. So Pierre supported her. Like he paid for the household. He was basically the man of the house. What? Isn't that crazy? Um, Okay. And this is what I thought was so interesting. Uh, This, the Mrs. Philip Schuyler. So like the mother of the Schuyler sisters that we see in Hamilton. Yeah. She is actually someone who wrote a lot about him and some of her, Early correspondences have been like turned into one of the first like biographies of him. Oh, wow. So, isn't that weird that he was kind of again like in this, these founding father, like the first politicians? Like, he was kind of in that circle. Right. But she's the one who put down a lot of his life down on paper. Mm. And so, she is one who uh, noted how special their relationship was and how kind he was to her and how much the Madame Berard is what. I saw her refer how much she loved him. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. And then again, so weird that it's from that person. And then I saw like some of his clients were like the wife of the man who gave Hamilton the guns that he went and then did the duel with and died. Like very connected. Yeah. Like Angelica Schuyler is one of his clients, like crazy stuff. Yeah. We need to ask Lin-Manuel Miranda why yeah. he wasn't why part was of the- he- <laughs> That is such a Lynn thing to do right? like this cool Maybe character of know. color. He yeah. probably didn't. I need to tell him. I'll tell him. <laughs> Um, yeah, you just phone him up. I love him. <laughs> I do such too. a Lynn stand. Oh um, so again, just like, why isn't his name known along with the Schuylers and the Hamiltons and the right. Jeffersons? It should be. Okay, it, eventually his mistress remarries to um, Monsieur Nicholas, it says. Okay. Who's also from Haiti. 
And on her deathbed, her dying wish was that Pierre would be freed, a free man. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was so sweet. Um, so he was freed in 1807, and he was older, like in his 40s. And thanks to his work, his occupation, as well as living very frugally and being an investor, mm-hmm. a savvy investor, he became very wealthy and prospered and able was able to buy like his own house and things like that. Mm-hmm. And he eventually purchased the freedom of his sister and another ref, refugee from Haiti, Mary Rose Juliet, who he eventually married. Oh, nice. So, um, let's see. And she, she was younger than him and also had her own business endeavors. So, uh, they continued to also, they had their house, but then sometimes they had board at the Nicholas house, like in between. So yeah. they eventually, they never had children, but they adopted uh, Euphemia, who was the daughter of her, his sister, Rosalie, who died at tuberculosis at a long, young age. So mm-hmm. they adopted her and educated her and gave her music classes and everything. Um, he was also, so he was very holy, very devout. He went to daily mass every day for 66 years at St. Peter's in New York, and he loved the rosary. So I thought this was so interesting, too. So he lived in an era, being a freed slave, like a weird line to walk. Because you were freed, but you were still not looked upon. Not looked upon well. Like racism was still well and alive, whether you were freed or not. You still weren't treated the same as everyone else, basically. Yeah, you were considered less of a person. Right, and then anti Catholicism was pretty big in New York at the time. Okay. So I kind of read some things that said like where he didn't fit in with necessarily other people of color Mm. because he was wealthy and free. Right. And then he didn't really fit in with other Catholics and he didn't really fit in with like, like other people of color because he was Catholic so that he was very marginalized. And so, um, I don't know, like I felt like that was probably... Like I just admired his faith more. Yeah, that it was searching for belonging. Yeah, like he probably didn't really belong anywhere really, really well, but he still lived his faith, if that makes sense. Um, and kind of too that he loved talking about his faith, and people said he was really good at explaining it and teaching other people about it in a really simply way. So that just like even though the circles that he was in, like there wasn't really a place for him, like he still owned who he was and what he loved. Right, I I find that that particular characteristic is something that's common among some of the saints in terms of when we think of someone being eloquent in the faith of like you know being able to explain the faith in these beautiful terms it's actually the people who can explain the faith simply to like the common people that Mm -hmm. that makes it easy for them to understand that become the best evangelizers and so yeah that's just a, a gift that I think that maybe we take for granted yeah so that just like a familiar thread that we're seeing for sure um, okay, so like I said, they would kind of board in the house where he used to be a slave, mm-hmm. but also they had a, another house and that was where they sheltered orphans and fostered, um, numerous boys okay. and they would, uh, they would support them. They would help them get an education. They would pay for them to learn a trade and through his connections of, you know, being connected with the wealthy, he would also network for them and help these boys get jobs. Mm-hmm. And then he was also one of the main fundraisers for St. Elizabeth Ann Seton's orphanage oh, in New York City, yeah. even though it only served white children. Oh. So I felt like that was such like a a weird, again, walking such a weird line where like he's Catholic and a wealthy businessman, yeah. like funding an orphanage where like there's not even a space for people that look like him. Yeah, that hurts. Right? Yeah. Such a weird like dichotomy. Yeah. And then, so, um, he was also the benefactor of the first, uh, Catholic school for black children. Um, and he was a generous donor for the Oblate Sisters of Providence, who were the first, uh, community of black sisters. Oh, cool. And they also had an orphanage, which he was a benefactor of. Uh, mm-hmm. so he also organized a credit bureau, an employment agency, a refuge, uh, like a home for priests and needy travelers, and then many Haitian refugees who ended up in New York, sought mm-hmm. him out because he spoke French and English. Mm-hmm. And so he frequently helped new immigrants get on their feet. And he, you know, uh, sponsored like the sale of goods and stuff so they could raise money yeah. to live on. And he um, he was also really known for an outbreak of yellow fever and cholera that went through New York City while a lot mm-hmm. of wealthy people could afford to leave. He stayed and like organized care for the sick and even like went in himself to 
help the sick and like didn't get sick himself. Oh, that's a blessing. Yeah. Yes. Very courageous. And so because of that, he's actually called the father of Catholic charities in New York, Mm. where like his work was kind of the foundation for what would eventually become Catholic charities. Yeah. So this is the part that I feel like is the most interesting is that he helped raise money to build the first, they call it old St. Patrick's Cathedral, kind of like the first building that would eventually, I'm sure, be renovated many times. Mm -hmm. But he was kind of one of the main forces behind building a new cathedral in New York City. So when you think about like St. Patrick's is like one of like the landmarks of New York. It's like one of the things you go to see when you're there. That there was a black freed businessman, philanthropist who spearheaded Mm. that monument that is there, still there that people still go see. And like, does anyone know that Pierre was the force behind it of uh, no, one of the biggest I forces. I mean, I don't exactly. That's why I'm like, he should be known. So We're that's what I out. think that was when I learned, that's kind of what I knew about him was that there was a black philanthropist that helped fund that. Yeah. So that was kind of like what I knew him as. Obviously the rest is so cool, but, um, so this is kind of interesting, not interesting, a, a story, <laughs> a story. So on the, the, um, dedication of the cathedral, he was trying to go, into the celebration through the front door, but because he was black and Usher saw him and wouldn't let him in. Mm-hmm. And it said that he just apologized and said, okay, and was just turning to leave like nothing. Mm-hmm. And that someone else recognized him and brought him in to sit at a seat of honor because he had funded such a big part of right, the building. Yeah. So I thought that was so interesting because I would be like, do you know who I am? <laughs> I, I, the whole time when you're talking, I'm like, what does it take to like, be able to fund a white orphanage when you're right um, like displaced and so I I'm, keep thinking it must be humility like, yeah so humble because yeah. it said that when that happened he just said okay sorry and was leaving no I would 100% have been like humility dude that's the like force for saying you see that that costs more than what you make in a year and I paid that's what I would do do, that's a, whole, a, do a whole pretty woman scene right there yes <laughs> That is why also why I will never have as much money as Pierre Toussaint had because clearly I would not. It would just go to our head. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of where it really touching to me. And then he did, he just died of old age at 87 and kept working the whole time. He has a beautiful quote I saw that says um, he kept, he had to keep working because he had enough for himself. But if he stopped working, he wouldn't have enough for others. Oh, my goodness. So That's beautiful. Yeah. So at his... Um, beautiful spirit. The father who presided over his funeral mass at his eulogy said uh, that he knew him as a faithful parishioner for over 66 years. And it, he said he always had wise counsel for the rich and words of encouragement for the poor. Oh, that's so, nice. And then so he is honored as the first layman to lay in the crypt below the altar of St. Patrick Cathedral on Fifth Avenue. And this is normally reserved for the bishops of the Archdiocese of New York, but he's the only lay person. I think his wife is there as well. Oh, that's so neat. Um, Do you know what he's the patron saint of? I didn't look that up because he's still, he's a venerable. Oh, he's a venerable. He's still a venerable. So he is on the road. He's one of the six Americans that are on the road road to to sainthood. Oh, very cool. Um, yeah, he was a venerable and so he's on in 1996. So he is okay. on the road to Canada. Let's make this happen, y'all. Yeah. Let's pray for miracles for him. For, for him. sure. So I just felt, um, I don't know why the Lord was so clear, like, this is the yeah. story you're going to tell. But again, I just felt like he was so instrumental in the fabric of what eventually would become New York City, like American the society, greatest yeah. city in the world. Yes. <laughs> um, like, let's bust out yeah. Manhattan right now. And he is so unknown and I feel like he'd be comfortable with that but for me I'm like this is a and also while I was reading I kind of felt like people think of like the American the American dream as like you own two cars and a house and have 2.5 children and anyone can have that dream but I was like actually this is the American dream where you start out like as a slave and like unloved by society completely cast out and then you become like one of the greatest members yeah. like when I just see it when people think about the American dream like I think a lot of immigrants dream about it but I don't think yeah. anyone ever pictures like a former slave a black man yes. a, like becoming one of the greatest philanthropists right yeah and you're going from like one contrast to yeah the total that opposite. is actually the American dream yeah. I feel like he is it he did it um 
So I just felt unheard of and pretty unheard of. And I felt like this is actually, I feel like his story is a better picture of what it looks like to be, to grow, come like come of age when this country was than like, I mean, Hamilton's is actually pretty cool too because he was an immigrant too. But you know, like that story where we tell, we tell Hamilton's story. Yeah. Right. I guess. But the level of discrimination is very different. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Or we tell that story. I think this is like a cooler story, honestly. Right. Well, they're both pretty cool. <laughs> but this is as cool as Hamilton, whose story has been be made a musical. And Lynn's next project. I'm just that. saying. I if know he's Lynn got a bunch knew, of projects in the yeah, works. Yeah, if but. he knew that there was a freed black man who was out there yeah. also making they, the city come. Catholic family. Well, their parents are Catholic. So. Oh, are they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because yeah. they're Puerto Rican. That makes sense. But. Yeah. I'm sure Lynn would love a story like this. Not that I know him personally, but I feel like I do. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. I love him so much. Me too. Okay. Uh, so I'm just wondering, what do you think um, would be like a good intention to be able to ask Pierre Toussaint? Definitely humility. Humility. For sure. Yeah. Um, generosity. Generosity. Spirit, yeah. I think. And I forgiveness. I have to think that's probably somewhere. In there yeah. Too. But also maybe like how to use your gifts maybe. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm getting. Yeah. Like when you feel like, like I've known people like in college, I knew a missionary who he felt like he never got to do a lot of missionary work, but because he was always fundraising Mm -hmm. to support his family while being a missionary. And then also for like other causes, people would ask him to help fundraise. And he just had a gift like at taking empowered in your own. Yeah. And like, he didn't like that, but I was like, (laughs) that could be a superpower to help people like get together money. So I feel like, Maybe like seeing how your gifts can be used for. Or maybe even just having the gifts come to light for you, the awareness yeah. of those gifts. Because I know, um, I also read something that said a lot of people wondered why he wasn't like a very loud and out there abolitionist. Uh-huh. And he said he didn't have a taste for um, politics basically because yeah. of how he saw, what he saw during the Haitian revolution, just kind of like the violence and stuff that yeah. happened. Right. So he said that he basically said because the things he'd seen he just wanted to do things his own way yeah which was just like person to person yeah I love that yeah so I feel like he knew what he wanted to do and knew what he was good at you know like he who would have thought like I'm gonna do hair and this is gonna enable me to become like a great saint one day you know I feel like you have a gift and you probably think it's something lame but like actually, it doesn't have to be you are going to be a missionary that goes, travels the world and converts people. Like right. It can be through hair. It can be through any yeah. any gift that God has given you yeah. as, as an individual. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of um, when I was in youth ministry or admin assistant Tracy, she'd always say like, I don't have, I can't speak on a stage and inspire people. And I'd be like, but Tracy, like I cannot do a mail merge. And yeah. you can. <laughs> She's and a beautiful I need spirit. You. Like she isn't needed. Oh, yeah. Her admin skills are from the Lord. Yeah. And enabled so many people, not even me, just like people before me. She could have used that in any other scenario and would have been like very successful. Yeah. And she got her skills like she did, like, I think she did real estate brokerage. She's like worked Mm -hmm. in a lot of offices and now she like supports, has supported like a whole generation of ministers to do that. So I feel like she's like a backbone. Yeah. Like maybe like I feel like help Pierre Toussaint could help you find your gift and like how God is uniquely gifted you to use that for his good. Right. While you think like like a male merge cannot change the kingdom, but I have seen that it has firsthand. (laughs) Truly. So I mean, yeah. Excel can make saints break them. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what I think. That's what I felt inspired of like the, the, like such like a random, it's not even mundane, but such just like a working thing. It's going to be good at this job. And that's, like the vocation in the front whole, of me. Yeah, and the whole person to person. Yeah. That feels like Mother Teresa. So. Yeah. Not like going out and, I don't know, founding like a whole charitable organization. Yeah. But like he started person to person. And then it eventually led to that. Right. But he just said he wanted to just do what he could for the people around him. Yeah. That's such a call. With what he was good at. Yes. Cutting hair. Yes. Raising money. It. Yeah. Making oh. investments. I, I almost, the depth of a story, it's almost like, as I hear it the first time, I'm like, I can't even grasp all of it mm-hmm. just because of the social situation. And then it's like, so sad, like what he had to go through. Yeah. And then like such a difference in like where he ended up in society yet still what the social climate was like at the time. So yeah. it's almost like I need to dig into it again to just kind of wrap my mind around how 
I don't know how paradoxical that could yeah. be. Just like all of that together. Yeah, cool it is story. weird. Yeah, it's definitely we can't. I don't think we can wrap her because it's so like removed from what we. Yeah. I'm sure there's a present day kind of scenario of that that looks that is similar but different. Looks different. Yeah. 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 So the he the Lord said share this story. So I well, did it. Venerable we'll see what Pierre happens. Toussaint, pray for us. Pray for us. And Saint Josephine Bakita, pray yeah. for us. Love her. I love her too. Um. So instead of blessing and burden, yeah. We wanted to kind of just prepare for Advent a little bit, vocally process some Advent preparations because we're going to take December off. We are. Because it's such a busy time. It's a busy time, but I feel like um, it should be a slowing down time. Yeah. It's never, never is for me. I It has never in the past been for me, but the last couple of years, I've tried to be really intentional about like, okay, this is like a like time to huddle almost mm-hmm. like you know how like as moms like in pregnancy there's like this nesting period yeah that's what I kind of consider advent to be is like mm-hmm. this nesting time where you're like buckling down you're like I'm going to prepare for the birth I need to slow down because I need it's like in the slowing down is when we really um allow ourselves to be more open to the spirit of God mm-hmm. and so and I just feel like that makes Christmas that much more enjoyable yeah you know, it's like the quiet and kind of moving away from the hustle and bustle. This year, Evan has decided, my son Evan, mm-hmm. like on his own, was like, I'm not going to make a list for what I want for Christmas, which Aww. is like something he like they normally do. Yeah. And like, he was like, it's Jesus's birthday. Like, why am I getting presents on Jesus's oh birthday? Gosh. Like he told his grandmother that when she yeah. was like, what do you want for Christmas? And he was like, why would I get something on Jesus's birthday, uh-huh. like, you know, and she, it just like totally threw her off. She didn't even know what to say to that. But I mean, just to hear that from the mouth of a child is like, okay, that puts things in perspective. Yeah. Uh, it is a season of receiving, mm-hmm. um, but not necessarily of like wanting, you know, mm-hmm. it's like expectation, but like that receptivity of like Mary's receptivity. Yeah. And so it's just kind of changing the lens a little bit of like, what do I want for Christmas versus mm-hmm. like, how do I remain open to receive? Mm, yeah. That's kind of how we have geared the last couple of years. Yeah. What about y'all? I think kind of to your point to slowing down, one thing that I m- make a point of, I so I love to decorate. Yeah. So, and I know, so, okay, let me gather my thoughts. My mom goes all out for her Christmas decorations. Oh. And... She does it, but she's always like, oh, I have to decorate for Christmas because she's mm. like pulling stuff out of the attic and yeah. she has to put other stuff away. Yeah. And um, we used to help when she was little. But as we got older, me and my brother were like, that's too much work and we don't want to do it. You know, <laughs> so then she'd be like, oh, no one helps me. Yeah. So I kind of feel like what I started doing last year and it was good for me, like mentally and spiritually was not decorating all at once. Mm-hmm. So and kind of making it liturgical. So like. I didn't do this last year because I didn't know about it. Yeah. But this year, we're going to wait to put up our stockings until St. Nicholas Day. Oh, yeah. Like I love about. that. I love And that. then, so one thing we did last year was we didn't put our whole nativity out. We put out a piece on Advent. Cute. Or each Sunday of Advent. Yeah. And then Jesus went out on his birthday. And yes. then the three wise men came on oh, Three Kings cute. Day. Because Mexicans cute. or Latinos celebrate uh, Three yeah. Kings Day. Um, or the so, Epiphany. Yeah. So we... You know, slowly put up the decorations. I love that. We do the baby Jesus on Christmas, but yeah. I'm adding in. I'm taking that. Yeah, because we didn't men. we didn't light the advent candles because mm-hmm. we had that was one where the busyness of working mm-hmm. we didn't have a chance to like say a devotional and light our advent candles, which I would normally like to do. Yeah. So that was kind of what we did instead, or we put up a piece. But so I'm excited to like not be working this year, and yeah. I feel like just kind of focus on how I can make this a prayerful time for my family. Yeah. So. That's what I'm excited for. Just kind of like, don't feel like you have to make it like a perfect Christmas wonderland all at once. Like slow it down and make it part of yeah the process. Part of like the waiting time. Yes. Of Jesus coming. The expectation. Yeah. Of just seeing that like slowly develop instead of just all at once, like put it all up. I like that. Yeah. And then I really feel like I love, I guess, being Latino. And I, I don't know if I am by, as a Latino, I'm saying everyone can get in on this. Three Kings Day is like another Christmas. Is it really? Yeah. I mean, depending on... Is there a gift exchange? Yeah. Oh, you're supposed cool. to get gifts, too. Aww. So it's like a whole other Christmas. 
the last few years have been weird with COVID for us. Yeah. But it's really like a way of like, no, like Christmas is not over yet. Right. You know, 12 days of Christmas. Yeah. Our society goes right into like, there's no advent in the popular culture. Right. It's Christmas. From Black Friday onward. Well, honestly, from Halloween onward. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. So people like have been celebrating Christmas already. Yeah. And I love Christmas music. I love the Christmas decorations, but I make myself wait to put that all up until Advent at least because it's not Christmas yet. Yeah. And then we take it all down right on Christmas day or the day after new oh. year. Some like some people are like, well, I wait till new year. It's like, no, you're supposed to wait longer actually. Yeah. So I love that about being a Latina is that we have that marker to like, that marker of like Christmas is actually just starting, you know, and the other piece of like, kind of like waiting on decorations is, um, in older generations, sometimes people would put up the Christmas tree like on Christmas, on like Christmas, Christmas or Eve. Christmas, yeah. Christmas Eve. And I thought that was just kind of cool. I mean, I don't think I could get to that point of waiting till Christmas Eve, but truly then you're going to keep it up for the yeah. 12 days. But like, that was just part of like how they, um, celebrated Christmas Eve yeah. even like that, that, that was cool. So, yeah. So that's kind of what I, I try to really like make a point of like marking those liturgical moments. Yes. Uh, cause otherwise it does really feel like you miss out on, I don't want to say like the reason for the season. Yeah. Well, well, I think I feel like the word that keeps coming to me is expectation or Mm -hmm. like the expectancy of like this coming of of the Lord and the Messiah. And so even if we do that in our decorating of like, sometimes we'll not because we were intentional, but I almost wonder if we should is like put the tree up and then another day put the lights up and then put decorations up and just everything is a process and a journey to like getting to the end and so it's not you're almost delaying some of the gratification along the way and so I think that can be a really cool spiritual exercise as we move towards like the waiting because that's what Advent is all about that's what the season is all about prior to Christmas the Christmas season Mm -hmm. which the Christmas season is really the 25th onwards right or the 24th vigil and so um, saving, leaving Advent as this expectancy time yeah, and, and delaying some of it. And th- there's like a sweetness in savoring that, that you like is a fruit that you get spiritually that like just will help you enjoy Christmas even more. Yeah. I definitely like, I feel like my struggle every year though, is like how to be a part of the culture, but not like of the culture. Have you heard people say that? Like yeah. be in it. Cause I feel like every year I'm like, I'm going to slow down this advent, but then there's like a thousand Christmas parties and then like family the stuff. The art of saying no. The art of saying no, man. It's just like, I love you. No, I can't come. The FOMO is real. I'm, I'm probably not the right person to talk about this because I have no problem saying no to people. I don't. I'm like <laughs> a party. Like, I'd yeah. love to. I can't make it. I'm sorry. I'm like there. Well, I mean, <laughs> Maybe things would be different now with Ben being at the age he is, but I always feel like I'm like, you know what? We're not going to get into the rat race of all the shopping and the parties. And then at the, every year I'm like, I did it again. (laughs) I did it again. Yeah. I, I, it takes a very intentional effort saying like, this is important. I want this. Um, And to be able to slow down and do that, but um, it's hard. It's hard, especially when it's like with people you love and you mm-hmm. want to enjoy. And a lot of times the season has people coming from out of town and just yeah. people you wouldn't normally see. So mm-hmm. it's definitely something you have to delicately balance. Yeah. I think just because of like where we are at, like financially and stuff, like I think this year will be a slow advent slash Christmas season. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I would say y'all just try, try it out a slow advent and see how you're Christmas season changes like see how you experience Christmas differently yeah I feel like even so that you get to Christmas and you're not already exhausted like yes, save some you're of that. not exhausted by the time you get there yeah and then also I really find this to be um, present that if you slow down during Advent and then you create that expectancy and you savor like Christmas and the birth of Christ and mm-hmm. the celebration all of that you don't have like this big downer right right after Christmas. Whereas uh, I've noticed that there are some of us that experience like a, like a mental, like almost like a depressive episode. Like once the 25th is over, um, everything, like the whole, like all the air out of the balloon is like come out. Um, and so that is really living in the culture versus the spiritual side of it would 
show that there, this is actually just the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's know? what I want to get to. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, honey, we've just started. Yeah. You know, like, the partying so. is now. Yes. We're still, we're still partying. <laughs> that was like, yeah, we were just pre-gaming the whole yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. That's what it should feel like. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So uh, maybe a challenge for this advent. We'll yeah. be praying for you guys. Please for pray sure. for us. Please. And then. And thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you so much. I can't believe we're already like signing off for the year. Yes. <laughs> Where did this year go? But we are. So thank you for being with us this past yeah. year. Thank you, Jesus. And we will see you guys in, in new, January. In the new year. All right. Have a good Advent and Christmas, everyone. God bless. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Snacking with the Saints. Snacking with the Saints is a member of the Spoke Street Catholic Podcast Network. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating or leave us a review. You can also subscribe to be alerted of when we drop our newest episodes. You can find us on Instagram at snacking.saints.pod. Come on over, tell us your blessing and burden for the week. Maybe we'll share it on air. And please remember to keep us in your prayers. We're definitely praying for all of you.